Hey MSA, today's a podcast kind of day, so sit back, relax, and let the voices of the unheard take it away. Assalamualaikum, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Voices of the Unheard. It's your host, Freyal, here with uh, Fatima A and Fatima H. Salam, guys. Assalamualaikum, guys. And we have today's wonderful guest, Sara Yaqub. Assalamualaikum, guys. I don't know about wonderful, though, but Assalamualaikum, guys. Hope everyone's doing well. You are wonderful. So today we'll be talking about mental health. Many of you guys might be familiar with this or unfamiliar, but Sarah here is actually a psychology major and she will be helping us discuss uh, everything mental health today. Sarah, you can take it away. Yeah, for sure. First of all, thank you guys for having me. I I think this podcast has been such a success, mashallah. And yeah, I wanted to bring the floor to psychology and mental health because Alhamdulillah, I feel like ever since COVID, it has become an open discussion, whereas before it wasn't. And honestly, if we even think about mental health, subhanAllah, there's a lot of like real connection that we see with Islam and the Islamic teachings that we find in the Quran and Sunnah. So I feel like a lot of people that think mental health is, you know, not real. (laughs) There's like way too many evidence to debunk that. But also there's a lot of other things to take into account, like, you know, when mental health started, when the brain even was discovered, and just all those sort of things. And who were the historians that discovered it at first? What did they link it to? That's a whole topic. I don't want to go in too depth of it. But yeah, I think I just want to touch on like problems in our society, um, especially the Muslim society. Not to say Muslims are the problem, but the issue is that we have, we don't have that many mental health resources and we don't have that many mental health, um, Muslim representation. Um, I feel like a lot of people, um, are worried about reaching out to therapists because A, you know, they can't relate to them. B, like, you know, they're very afraid of bringing in religion and spirituality because, um, not to be rude, but the Western ideology kind of just shoves that away right and religious identity is a huge part of ourselves so you know talking to them is really hard and I feel like a lot of people also think therapy is just talking when that's also not the case so mental health is such a broad topic with so many like pathways that talks about therapy that talks about medication that talks about the brain the behavior and everything that is linked to it And I feel like as Muslims, especially, we should be in the front lines for it because we have the Islamic resources and we have, mashallah, we're we're supposed to be intellectual. You know, our deen tells us to be educated Islamically and in general, we should have knowledge. So, you know, I'm really inspired by Yaqeen, mashallah, they're doing a phenomenal job. But I do think we still need local therapists that are affordable. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Canada Canada needs to up their game when it comes to, you know, covering for therapy because there's so many people I know that want therapy, but they can't get it because honestly, it's too expensive. And some people are even at the rate of suicidal thoughts or they're at the rate of, 
you know, like mental downfall and they can't get anyone because it is so expensive. And then they have to go through the public route, which is getting a psychiatrist, which also isn't bad. There's a lot of misconception about psychiatry. We could dwell into that if we want to. But again, it's like you might not always find a Muslim psychiatrist. You might, you know, it's just really hard at the moment. And mental health is at its peak. Like it literally is at its peak. Um, but yeah, like if you guys have any specific questions, we can go into the specifics. But this is something we all should definitely talk about. Um, just to like start off, I'm so excited to talk about this topic because it's so underrepresented, like mm-hmm. not just in like the Islamic community, but like everywhere, like getting therapy is seen as like so taboo and like talking to your parents about it like even I know that I would have difficulty talking to my parents about this so I think before we actually begin how about we like define some terms like um Mm -hmm. sorry you can define them and I can ask them if you like yeah you ask them and then I'll do my best for what I can so let's start with like what is physical health so physical health I would say is an issue or a disorder that affects you through your um biochemistry um through your biology it can be internal, it can be external, meaning like a broken bone, a broken foot, maybe you have a neurological disorder. So any impairment that is able to be visible. However, I will kind of, t- I will touch on in- invisible health because I feel like that's where some health problems fall in. But I would mm-hmm. say physical health is around that realm. Perfect. And let's do mental health next. What is mm-hmm. mental health? All right, so mental health. Now, you'll find that there's going to be different definitions of it because we're still in the state of learning mental health and mental disorders. But from my background, the way that I would describe it is a mental neurological deficit that affects one's behavior and thought processes. However, the treatments does not mean that it has to be medicine. There's like a a whole other side that mental health can, you know, be treated. But that's another topic. That is perfect. And just to yeah. connect it back to Islam, what mm-hmm. do you think is spiritual health? SubhanAllah. So spiritual health is basically when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prescribed us certain things like salah, Quran, it feeds into our body to connect closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it also improves many other things with it, like our state of mind, our state of well-being, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's what I would say is spiritual health, that, um, you know, deep connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that contentment, that realization of positivity. And you know how Allah says, I am what my servant thinks I am, that positive, um, you know, image of, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is and using what Allah has given us as a food to our soul, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And when I was just watching mm-hmm. this um, Islamic lecture two days ago and it was mm-hmm. talking about the difference between a hard heart and a soft heart in terms of spiritual and like mental health. Yeah. Like constantly dhikr of Allah and like remembrance of Allah like really helps with that. It keeps your heart soft. Like, And yes. I feel like that really connects to like spiritual health and exactly what you were, you were saying about like our connection and relationship with Allah. So, mm-hmm. No, I agree. Um, soft and hard heart does connect with our mental health. And the biggest connection is the positive outcome that you view yourself in. So if someone, and by the way, this is even in research, there's a lot of evidence that people that believe in a God are more likely to have 
positive thinking, are more likely to have satisfaction in their life, are more likely to have an increased well-being. So, so it's even like evidence-based, you know, but, you know, we don't need evidence to back up what Islam said. But this is just sort of an idea that um, Islam truly makes us our heart warm. And whatever difficulties we go through, we reason it logically, which is why we strive to get out of that difficulty. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And when I personally think of like mental health and like, like and being healthy in terms of like physically and like mentally as well. So I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's about balance at the end and like working with harmony. So you can't just like only focus on your physical health and never talk about your feelings or you can't always focus on your, your mental health and then completely like let yourself go in terms of like your physical health. So I think like even Islamically, like Islam tells us about balance and having like harmony in our life so I would say like the most important thing about maintaining that state of well-being is a balance between our mental spiritual and psychological health 100% I couldn't agree more um 100% it's a balance right because if we let one thing take over another then you know that's just gonna take over our life and we're gonna lack on other things that are important so talking about feelings or whatever validating it acknowledging that it exists is actually very beneficial because you're not suppressing it you're in fact more stronger when you're like you know what hey today I feel this way it's okay that I feel this way I'm gonna work on it I'm gonna work on being healthy because like you said physical health and mental health both have to come together right and you know even um the whole hadith about tying your camel first and mm-hmm. I'm and a lot of people and I I don't mean to call people out but I want to be honest a lot of people say oh if you're sad go read the Quran right that's it does it help 100% does it allow you to connect to Allah 100% like I'm sure you guys have all experienced the spiritual high right it's so much fun like mm-hmm. in Ramadan we're all really happy <laughs> we have this like spiritual high but every time, whenever we're going through something, we have to tie the camel and do our action. Allah has given us, um, Allah is the one that gives us illnesses and diseases to test us. So how can he not cure it, right? But we got to find it. We got to do the action to mm-hmm. actually, you know, um, seek benefit. And Allah is the one that facilitates whether it will benefit you or not, you know? Yeah, I actually love this so much because without mm-hmm. action, your words mean nothing. You have to have action supporting what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a quick question for you, Sarah. What is the difference between mental health and mental illness? There's three subjects, actually. So mental health, mental illness can kind of um, coexist at times because mental health is Basically, we're defining one's um, cognition, behavior, and just thought processes. It's like, you know how we say your health in general, right? Are we saying when I say, okay, um, you know, Fatima, how's your health, right? So technically, I could be talking about anything like how's your heart, how's your ears, how's your mind. But when I ref- when we're referring to mental health, we're kind of talking about like, how are you feeling? How How's like your um, internal thoughts processing? How's your cognition? How are you managing? Um, do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel excessively sad? Right? So that's just mm-hmm. like mental health, like encompass, like, you know, you kind of focus on that and broad. And then 
mental illness would be categorized as also you could say mental disorders too would be anxiety, depression, OCD. There is PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress disorder. There's so many other things. And then there's also neurological disorders, right? Which is autism, um, sometimes uh, ADHD also falls into that. And then we get like this weird thing where it's like, wait, I thought that was a mental health disorder, but wait, it's a neurological disorder. So there's two things like mental illnesses and neurological disorders that comorbid a lot. So people with autism might experience a lot of mental health disorders. And then um, mental health disorders might have some neurological implications to it, which require medication. So I, I hope that makes sense. I don't know if I went to deep. No, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just rooting off of something that Sarah said earlier, uh, mashallah, as Muslims, we have such a beautiful gift. Like as born Muslims, we have such a beautiful gift of reaching out to Allah. You know, that's our first line mm-hmm. of defense against yeah. anything to solve our problems. You know, we reach out to Allah and that gives us peace through whether that's prayer or differ or reading the Quran. But when do you think that we should reach out to someone? When do you think that our... um our mental illness or our mental health is just beyond out of control. And, you know, when do we realize that we may need medical attention? Yeah, subhanAllah, that's a really good question. And obviously, I want to reiterate, I'm not a psychologist or a doctor to anyone that's listening, but obviously, this is going to be very dependent per case, right? So everyone's going to be able to handle things differently. Everyone's going to be able to bear certain things very differently. So there are some people that genuinely can live a positive life. And um, that's not affecting their um, day-to-day tasks very well with certain things going on mentally. However, personally, um, from whatever knowledge that I have, I would say when you've reached a point in life that your daily tasks, your um, connection to Allah, and a lot of things are getting impaired. So you can't get out of bed. You only want to stay in bed or you're, you're starting to have suicidal thoughts, you look at yourself and you're not happy excessively. So when you reach an excessive point in your um, mental illnesses sort of spectrum, that's when you have to have to have to reach out because at this point, now it's affecting you, your physical health, right? So you're having shortness of breath, you're having panic disorders, you're feeling caged, you're getting sweaty, you're shaking, all of that. So that's like uh, symptoms of anxiety. So a lot of people are like, oh, but like everyone is anxious, right? But there's also like an excessive anxiety disorder that requires people to reach out. However, again, people are different. So if one feels like, hey, I want to fix this right away, reaching out to a therapist is not a bad idea. In fact, so many people, mashallah, that I know have found it so beneficial to have someone to speak with And they're going to, you know, make you sort of decide for yourself what is good for you. But yeah, hope that answered the question. I love that answer so much. But like, I think it's sometimes it's just so difficult to reach out for help. First of all, like, there's so much like social stigma and like, it's so Mm -hmm. taboo. But like, I was just thinking about this. And this came to my mind as you were talking, like, Islam is so like, perfect in every way because I remember reading that like those people who are like deemed um I don't know what the right word is but I'm just gonna say mentally incompetent I'm sorry if that's like rude but 
the, those people don't have to um they're exempt from religious duties like such as prayer and like religious service uh, like services and it's just so amazing to see how how like Allah has like made everything so perfect but I think like um especially culturally and stuff like mental illness and like mental health is seen as like I, I've heard this too from like um people in my own family as like a punishment from a god from like Allah and like like you can't see like a psychiatrist or something because people are just gonna think you're crazy which is I think like the exact opposite of what you, sh- what you should do like when we're sick right when we break a bone we go to the doctor and seek help so why is it that like when we need help mentally we can't do the same because it's the same thing right we need a doctor and he or she will help you through it Exactly. I'm just going to clarify one thing about, you know, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has exempted those that are neurologically ill from um, uh, religious duties. It is those who are extremely impaired. So Alzheimer's, um, sometimes people that people that are unaware of what life is around them. Because with people that have mental illnesses, you know, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, they're still cognitively aware of what is going around them. Like, you know, this is the floor, this is me, this is my room. I just wanted to make that differentiation in case, in case people take it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Is that um, if you're extremely impaired um, in your thinking and you don't know where you are, which I know a lot of people that have Alzheimer's, they're late stages. That's when, you know, religious duties are, you know, exempted. And then there's like other disabilities in which religious duties are exempted. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I wanted to say was um, your second point was about culture, I believe. Yes, about the broken bone. Exactly. This is an analogy that Fatma have used on so many people. SubhanAllah. I've actually used this a lot where, you know, I'm like, hey, if you have a broken leg are you gonna just sit there and be like ya Allah heal me I mean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can there's no doubt in that but we are also humans right and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made a system in our society so are we just gonna sit there well no we're gonna go out and be like you know um hey doc this is what's happening can you please fix it and they'll they'll do their their therapeutic interventions and then we'll feel better this in the same way as, um, you know, like if there's a deficit neurologically, if there's a mental illness where, you know, you, you're excessively reached the point where you don't know why you feel this way. So you reach out to someone and you, you ask Allah for guidance, right? There, it's both ways. So you're asking Allah for shifa, but you're also doing the task. You're going out to a doctor. They might prescribe you medication. They might give you sessions of therapy. And then inshallah, inshallah, with due time, you will get better. But yeah, Fatma, you're going to say something, right? Yeah, I was going to say, Subhana, like, Islam is so easy to follow. Like, 100%. Islam is, Islam is easy to follow. It is what society makes it difficult. And totally. even there's a hadith that says, um, for the believers, this world will feel like a prison. And for uh, the non-believers, this world will feel like heaven. So when we start struggling, let's say a little bit, and, you know, in one of our aspects, um, for example, let's say you have ADHD, and now people with ADHD might have difficulty with focusing, right? And you know how in Salah we want to have for sure. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is also, you know, forgiving and merciful and, rewarding like someone someone who's just trying 
like you we don't even know how much reward that they will get and that's the beauty of islam you're striving to be better you're striving to get closer to allah you're striving to you know just trying because there's a beautiful thought in that that allah loves you know I love that so much, Sarah. And I just going back to something that you said, I think you wanted to talk about this uh, in the podcast. But do you think that we should establish clinics with with Muslim uh, mental health therapists that are able to combine therapeutics along with the teachings of our deen so that we're better able to assist Muslims around us that are struggling with mental health issues? And, you know, we can incorporate the medicine and incorporating the practices of our deen to better ourselves oh my god 100 percent um so a lot of the models that i've studied in my side courses i kind of disagree with some of their approaches because they will go against what our deen does teach us so i do think you know we have i believe we have amazing doctors out there that are practicing i think they need to get together and make a standardized Islamic therapeutic, uh, like psychology model, because we need that, right? We need, we need to be able to go to someone where a religion is embedded, and then also like the proper medical treatment is there, and all of this stuff are there. So we need representation in our community that are in psychology, that are like in medical school, in psychiatry. We need all of this or mental health advocates, right? Because not a lot of people will want to go to people that are non-Muslims, right? Because they're not going to talk about spirituality. In fact, like that's not a topic that is promoted in psychology, which is very annoying because even in my courses, I'm always like, come on, this kind of makes sense. You know, what about this? What about that? You know, but subhanAllah, um, we need to know that um, psychology comes from a Western ideology. And this is not to say everything is bad. Like it has helped people. I mean, alhamdulillah, people have benefited from it. But we need, we need Islamic models. And I know Yaqeen, I reached out to them, gave them the idea. And they did say that they're working on something. So inshallah, I hope that comes true. <laughs> but it's a, it's a long process, right? But inshallah, we need it. Inshallah, inshallah. I also had a question. I wanted to know if you had any recommendations for like how us like members of the Muslim community could help to sort of increase, not just be advocates, but make sure there's more aids, like even on campus and stuff for people that need mental health, like support. Because we're not like me personally, I'm not in psychology. So it's not like I can become a therapist and offer like support that way. So like, do you have any recommendations for us, like what we can do? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to give one interesting recommendation to all the Muslims out there. Follow the Prophet ﷺ. His demeanor, his character, his way of speaking is literally what, what we learn in psychology. I'm not even like, make sure that you're kind to other people. Well, obviously, subhanAllah, in this world, this West world teaches us so much how to be selfish, guys. I'm not even lying. We live in an an environment where you know we we have to care about ourselves only like we have to only care about ourselves and forget about others there's a balance with both obviously but subhanallah if you 
you know, the Prophet is known as the happiest man alive. He was the happiest man alive, although he's the one who went through the hardest trials, like, you know, losing his parents, you know, his own uncle wanted wanting to kill him. Like, that's so hard. Imagine living in this world right now, you know, we'd call the police at, right away, like, lock them up, you know? Um, but I think the biggest thing is practicing the sunnah. That way, you are approachable and people that can't afford can reach out to you and say, you know, Assalamualaikum, Faryal, Assalamualaikum, Fatimans. You know, I'm feeling this way. I know that you're Islamically knowledgeable and so and so and so. I need help, right? And obviously, you, you only give advice with whatever knowledge you have. And, you know, we can't give fatwa and we can't give rulings. We're not that, you know, capable. But um, that's one way I would 100% recommend. Number two is like, there's a lot of programs that people can take, like mentorship programs, leadership programs. You could even take, maybe there's a lot of courses and lectures. You could go to like psychology and Islam. There's, I know there's a lot of different lectures and conferences that you can attend. Going to like, the biggest thing is seeking knowledge, right? When you go through these little programs and volunteering as well, places like, I'm trying to think, you know, in the hospital, volunteering at psych wards, volunteering at the masjid, all of these add into your experience of talking, communicating, um, delivering a appropriate, necessary needs and stuff like that. So technically, you don't have to be in psychology to have the knowledge, although psychology obviously helps you because that's all you're studying. But you can learn it on the side too. There's so many YouTube videos, you know, make sure who you're listening to is authentic. You study the theme, you can take multiple courses on the side. And honestly, as for like university wise, getting involved with like Student Wellness Center, um, I have a whole thing for them, but I don't think I should say it. <laughs> I'm just not going to say it, but getting involved with Student Wellness Center and stuff like that, because we need representation, right? proper representation so you get involved that way if a muslim student comes there they see another muslim individual that's ready to help um and mentoring and all of that if you volunteer we'll have those representations for these people that need help and then slowly you learn and you grow and you build all your knowledge and you become wise and you can help out where you can through allah's will for sure I agree like 100% with everything mm-hmm. that you said. And I feel like it comes down to character and how a person responds. If you know somebody's in like in a bad place, like if you give them some kind words or if you talk to them, like acknowledge their feelings. I I know like there's a lot of stories where simple words mean so much to people that are in like dark places in certain times. It turns like their whole world around. You don't know the impact that you have on a person just by saying like a few kind words or like just giving them your ear to listen it really does subhanallah like a lot of girls that i talk to will share the words that they've received from other girls and it just shows that it makes them really happy and i'm sure i don't well i don't know about the brother's side maybe they feel that too but like i know sisters in the community like we're also you know emotionally in tuned and we love um when people you know are able to connect and you know say kind words and one story I want to share, um, and I, I love this so much. I was listening to a Sheikh Omar Salman's video. Those who know me, I, um, mashallah, you know, I, I love his lectures. So I was listening to one of it. I don't know if it was in Ramadan, but it was a story of the Prophet 
he was talking to someone and um he had a ring on his finger okay and so he's like playing around with it he was fidgeting with it and so he got really frustrated and he stopped the person that they were having a conversation with and he took the ring out because he was so annoyed that the ring was distracting him from giving full attention to the person in front of him and even there's um stories of where you know he recommends whoever you're talking to turn your full body to them give the full attention to them and a lot of people around the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam felt as if they were his best friend just the way he would talk the way he would treat them and i think we need to be like that too with the sisters in our community and the brothers should be like that too with the brothers in their community that we love them so much uh for the sake of allah that we give our attention to them and we do our best it just goes to show like how much companionship is beautiful in our religion and how having good company is so important in our religion that also can increase our well-being increase our like um social norms to be better and us getting closer to allah But yeah, this is a story that I love and that I share with everyone that I know. <laughs> But yeah, Subhanallah. Like I also love Omar Salman's lectures. I feel like they're so easy to relate to and like understand too. Even if you like have minimal knowledge of Islam, like you learn so much just from like one video. And um, I was just gonna say, I feel like in my opinion, when someone does talk to you about like mental health, it's so important to like validate their feelings and. Even if you don't think it's a big deal for yourself, it may be a big deal for someone. So it's so important to like make people feel that their feelings are validated and that what they're feeling is okay. I think that when you start to like say to people that like, oh no, like everyone goes through that. You don't have to feel anxiety. Like everyone has like a midterm. I think that's like the worst thing you can do in that situation because the person starts like questioning themselves and if they were going to like they're trying to reach out to you for help and if you back out then maybe they won't reach out to someone else for help because they think like oh this is not normal why am I feeling this way subhanallah 100% 100% we have to validate the other person's feeling if we don't no offense you're just being selfish like again validate the other people's emotions like if they're so stressed out 100% you are too you're probably really stressed out so let, let's say we take the midterm example right so there's obviously a level there is people who are really stressed out and they don't know um like how to help others at that point let's say you're let's say Farial is really stressed out and then you know she's not on her phone but Fatima you are too and you're reaching out to Farial and Farial doesn't have the mental capacity honesty is so important you know just being like hey I'm so sorry you're going through this girl I've been feeling this too oh my god may Allah help us etc etc I do think we should all have somewhat of our boundaries but validating is so important because when you don't you're right you make the person feel like they're the odd one out they feel that they're just incapable that there's something's wrong with them and that's so common that is so common because people do it unintentionally too again what does our religion teach us right to look after one another so um even there's a reward um i forget the hadith but uh, allah rewards those that um alleviate their brother's sister's burden like if you like you know help someone that's feeling a lot of burden there's a beautiful hadith if i can find it properly i'll send it to you guys but subhanallah i was like islam really teaches us to look after one another to validate one another another be there for one another 
but also give advice. I think we also need to realize that there's an adab in, in giving advice. There's manners. There is a way of communicating. So obviously, if someone's not in the mindset of receiving advice, we also need to kind of see when one should give advice, right? Like, we shouldn't be like, oh, just stop it. You'll be fine. Just go read Quran. You know, you validate it. Be like, I'm so sorry you feel this way. Um, How can I help? You're doing so amazing. I've seen you, you know, go through this and this. And then maybe the next day you could be like, hey, I came upon this du'a. Definitely read it. You you do it in a way where the person feels excited about it, comfort, comfortable. And that's the whole thing. Giving um, nasiha, giving advice, there's a proper way because you don't want to turn someone away from Islam. Yeah, definitely. And I also don't think like as a Muslim, I think sometimes people think that, oh, you always have to be happy or you always have to be a certain way. But I personally think if you're sad, that's okay. If you're anxious, that's okay. And if you're angry at something, like that's okay too. Like you don't have to be happy or you don't have to be excited all the time. Like it's okay. Like your feelings are valid. Like no one is one way all the time. And if someone tells you, oh, like, why are you angry or why are you behaving this way? Then I think that's on them. Like your feelings are validated. Like what I'm trying to say is that like, it's okay to feel whatever you need to feel in a situation. And I don't think anyone has the right to tell you not to feel that way. But yeah, obviously, like I said before, like balance is everything. But if you're overdoing it with the anger, like Allah tells us that if you're standing up and you're angry then you should sit down like there's ways to like go around every emotion that you have yeah i really like the the point that you mentioned the one about um like you're not always going to be happy and that's okay see this is the thing i feel like we are so obviously being happy is amazing right we all want to be happy like and it increases all of your serotonin dopamine levels you're excited you feel good being sad is not always that fun but we also need to realize, well, that is kind of what life is, right? We're going to go through happiness and then we're going to go through a sadness. And there'll be happiness again and then there'll be sadness. And then well, we can also find happiness in those sadness. And how do we do that? I'm sure there are ways, but I was I was honestly just thinking about it. And I'm like, man, like, so there's this article that says, why are millennials so sad? And it killed me because I was like, oh, my God, subhanAllah. Is this generation just really sad right now? Like, what is happening? But I feel like every generation is going to deal with their own struggles. So there was the war period. There was this period. There's the mental health period. And I think realizing that, um, hey, like, guess what? You know, Allah is with me. My end is inshallah with him. Um, I want to go to Jannah Amin. And you know what? Like, it's okay. I'm sad right now. Don't worry. I'll be fine. I think that positive mindset and I've seen people have it. It's harder than said, by the way. I'm not saying like, this is so easy to do, but I've seen people do it and they're so positive. And I'm just like, how? MashaAllah, that strength in them. Wow. Like you just need to be okay with these emotions. Um, But obviously when it's excessive, when it's too much, you know, that's when you got to get help. But yeah. I agree with that so much. Like, I'm always telling people around me that, you know, life is not perfect and it was never meant to be perfect. Like, you're going to go through so much. Allah is going to put you through so many trials, but you need to push through that. You need to show positivity. And you know what? It's going to be all worth it in the end, you know? SubhanAllah, you know, Islam is so perfect and there's an answer and cure to everything. And, you know, by showing companionship towards like the people around us for the sake of Allah, we're able to help each other you know through every situation 
But sometimes, you know, living in like a Western society, like you said, it can be really hard and it can impede on like the whole idea of companionship because like Western societies are built more on the individualistic mindset, right? So I feel like a lot of people... They're just looking after themselves. They're trying to excel for themselves. But, you know, sometimes we just need to sit back and realize that, you know, we're a community. We're all in this together. And sometimes it's really important to check in if they're doing okay. So I feel like as Muslims, we need better mental health support systems where we can actually, you know, enforce these ideals that we as Muslims build our community around. Hundred percent. I don't. I don't think Muslims should be individualistic because what individualism means you're doing it for yourself, right? But everything we do is actually for the sake of Allah. So technically, we're not individualistic. And then obviously, and then we strive to help others because we want others to get into Jannah too. Let's say you're working on a group project and you love the people that you're working with. Let's pretend that like a perfect situation. You're going to want the other person to also do well, just like you did well. So, you know, you help each other out and even pride and selfishness is not okay Islamically and just helping one another out is so important. But unfortunately, there are people that You will meet that will use you. Unfortunately, there are people that are not going to be with a good heart. There are people that are going to hurt you and then it'll affect your mental health. And that is also okay. And you need to validate that. You need to be okay with, you know, you know what? This is what happened to me through a person and ask Allah for help because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just in everything. Um, I can continue a bit. I was just thinking about this, like, during our whole conversation. And I think, like, us as, like, females, like, Muslim females, we're more, like, inclined to talk about this. Especially when I I go to T13, like, there's girls there. Even if I don't know them, like, I still, like, the conversation just sparks. And it's so amazing. And I don't know if this is, like, happens with guys as well. And I've had this conversation with my brother. But I know that guys don't really talk about their feelings. So I just want to say if any, like, brothers are listening to this right now, like, it's okay to have feelings like having feelings doesn't make you um less manly or like less of a man i would say i think if anything it makes you like more of a man just because it shows that you're able to express your emotions properly i think that's really important in our um day and age oh my god so my brother um mashallah may allah bless him but he's more of the emotional guy and then my little brother he's like the brother you know who's like serious and like whatever um i think subhanallah also designed us so differently where we girls are just man we're powerful no i'm kidding but um, we just have that emotion of we really can understand we empathize so well we're able to i feel like we're able to multitask we strive through a lot and we get through a lot and alhamdulillah and i think i honestly feel so honored to be a girl because when, you, when I look at my mom and when I see the responsibilities that we all go through, man, it's a lot. <laughs> so, Hannah, it's a lot. You're taking care of so much and you're trying to reason with everything and sometimes like a lot. So I do think Allah has designed everyone differently, like the gender is. However, Abu Bakr who was one of the most emotional person, you know, he would cry when reading Salah. He was very emotionally in tune and we, have, we know a lot of Sahaba that were emotional and then we know a lot of sahabas that were stern but again i think now in this day and age we kind of the i and i could be wrong because i'm talking on the brother's side but from what i know they pick on each other like oh you're so emotional like 
you know, you shouldn't be emotional or like, oh, why are you this way? When honestly, like the Sahabas back then loved each other so much, regardless of their personalities and their differences and their emotions and et cetera like that. But like you said, Fatima, feelings are okay. We shouldn't diminish them. We shouldn't become so angry. We shouldn't like, you know, become so stern. Like that is not what Islam teaches us. Prophet was so, you know, um, emotionally intelligent, socially intelligent. And like anybody was able to have a conversation with him because he was so approachable. So I think brothers in the community, if they're listening, A, it's okay. And like strive to be like the Prophet even girls, right? We got to strive that way. But um, feelings are okay. Feelings are okay. <laughs> I agree with you. I was going to say how it's even part of our faith where it's like what you wish for yourself, you wish for your brothers and your sisters. And even like, I feel like it's like a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that feelings are so universal. Like you don't have to go through like a specific or like the same situation as someone else, but you can like just feel exactly what they're feeling. And I feel like that's such a, a nice way to bond with some someone or like get close to them and like help them in that way, because it's like, you're so sincere about it because you you empathize and you know exactly what they're going through, even without like going through it. A hundred percent. Yes, exactly. Um, that quote that you said, exactly. Um, in fact, like found everywhere. And even psychology, um, one of my seminars, we talked about how leaders, the best leaders are those that are altruistic. And I'm just like, well, guys, welcome to Islam. Because, <laughs> you know, we're taught to be altruistic, but also be stern at the same time in your belief, right? So there's a fine line by, you know, giving all that you can and like, but you also must have your belief. You also must know the values. And that also ties into mental health because I feel like now we're talking about companionship, but just tying it back to mental health. When you have good company, honestly, if you're dealing with a lot, just reaching out to the good company really, really helps you, especially those that overthink a lot, ruminate a lot. Um, and, you know, we've talked about like, we know the consequence of backbiting, right? So there's so many like things that people get worried about. But subhanAllah, um, when you have a good friend, honestly, when you have a good friend who knows um, their deen, who knows uh, you like so well they will be there for you they will give you the bestest of the advice and they won't make you feel dumb for it they won't make you feel inferior you know uh just going off of the idea of empathy this is very interesting because just yesterday um i had an assignment too so i was writing an essay literally on like empathy and i did a bit of research on it and i found something really cool maybe sarah you can like expand on it But I was reading this article and it said that, you know, psychopaths, they actually hold the capability to understand and empathize with someone else. But what they lack is sympathy and compassion. So just because you understand what someone else is going through doesn't always mean that you'll be able to um, help them and help them overcome their sadness so i think it's very very important not just to empathize with people but also show that sympathy and compassion because you know that's that's what will help them not just you know understanding what they're going through and not doing anything about it oh my god so i took a forensic psychology course and subhanallah we learned about psychopaths and i was terrified 
I was I remember I was listening to it at night and I was like, you know what? This is for the morning. <laughs> I'm not gonna listen to it right now. But yes, psychopaths, um, they lack a sense of feeling. So they have this cognitive understanding and that they are very good at reading people. Now what you mentioned is you can read someone and be like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry about that. And you could like use their emotions and do the politically right answer or whatnot. But that's not really, really being sympathetic towards a person, right? There's no emotions there. You're just kind of just being like, yeah, yeah okay, this is how you feel. Um, What would one do in this case? Okay, I'll do this. As Muslims, especially when people are dealing with mental health, it is so important to have sympathy for them. It is so important to be like, um, you know, if it's a sister, you know, like, I love you for the sake of Allah. I want to help you. I want you to get better and making dua for them. And that's just the beauty of Islam, you know, like that's what the Quran teaches us. And that's just how humans should be, you know, that psychopaths don't have. <laughs> so um, it's honestly, I've, I have read on psychopaths and it's really scary, but um. SubhanAllah, that's also a crazy thing. But we need to be empathetic, sympathetic, and genuinely try to understand what other people are going through. And just realize that, hey, you know, it's okay that if someone's going through this way, I may not understand at the moment because I've never been. So, yeah, obviously, you know, it was just like more of like a very extreme example. But, you know, like the main takeaway is just that reach out to people, help them for the sake of Allah, you know? Exactly. And also reach out when you need help as well. Exactly. Exactly. Reach out. It's not a big deal. Like, reach out. Um, your thoughts about, um, you know how I think we discussed this earlier, a lot of people might be afraid to reach out because, like, either they don't want to accept that there is something wrong with them or they don't want to be labeled that there's something wrong with them. But the truth is, like, it's not going to get you anywhere, honestly. Like, it's not going to benefit you if you don't reach out. In fact, you're just going to be in denial throughout this whole time. And it could get worse. You never know. So just reach out. Reach out to a local, um, you know, masjid if they're good at handling the situation. Um, if they have psychotherapists there, if they have psychologists there. Um, or reach out to your friend. Like, honestly, reach out to your good friends at can at least encourage you to take a step because sometimes doing it yourself is hard and that's okay. Yeah. And, you know, show, show lots of love and positivity. You know, you don't know who might benefit from that. You know, someone might even be inspired by how you are able to tackle your situations and, you know, they're going to be like, wow, look at this person. They're so strong. I admire them and I want to be like them. You know, I want to spread positivity and not only in my life, but the life of others. Yeah, totally. Uh, That's actually a really good point. I remember we kind of talked about um, this before as well. And I think it's like the smallest things that make the biggest difference at the end. Like, smiling to sunnah right holding the door um it's just a little things exactly no 100 i love for that you mentioned about um you know show someone um like like a lot of positivity so they are also inspired and i think as muslim we should always inspire one another i think that you know actually not even muslim just in general 
we should always inspire one another to be better, to do good, because you never know where someone is at and you never know where they can reach, right? So let's say I'm talking to a girl and the next day, mashallah, she's so much more better than me. And then I can learn from her and we can just inspire one another to become like better versions of ourselves. And that is so important, having the mindset that I want to grow I want to be better. I want to continue to be better is also really good. And just showing them a lot of love, like you said, Faryal, and like you said, Fatima, the sunnahs of smiling, holding the door, it makes a huge change in someone's life. And honestly, um, that could, who knows, it could decrease like excessive mental health. We never know, like practicing the sunnah, it doesn't mean you'll never be sad, like, there was a whole year of sorrow where the Prophet Sallallahu was sad, right? Because he lost um, his wife and then so many things that happened to him then and he was so sad. But there's a mindset, right? Like one person can be sad and start doubting their existence. But then another person can be sad, but being like, you know, Alhamdulillah, I'll get through it. And, you know, that's... um one of the beauties of our religion and seeking out for help and having proper representations that teaches the proper way of coping um, through any means, like proper means. Yeah. And just like, I don't think we um, specifically talked about coping much. If one thing works for someone else, it doesn't necessarily mean that the same thing is going to work for you, in my personal opinion. But you just need to find what works for yourself. And like, I think we talked about reaching out to people. Oh, yeah. So for mental health, I think it's really important to realize just because one person has anxiety doesn't mean the other person has the exact symptoms of that one person. A lot of people might, you might look at them and you're like, oh, they're perfectly fine, but they're experiencing very dark internal anxiety, whereas someone might be having physical symptoms, right? So um, like you said, we need to be uh, understanding of that, that, you know, um, when you meet, let's say you meet a friend who has an anxiety disorder, and then you meet another friend, make sure you never compare or generalize it to the other person because symptoms vary. And subhanAllah, that is why psychology is so stuck because we're like, how do we treat everyone generally? But we can't because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us so unique and our brain so unique to each our own. And, um, exactly like you said no treatment um like there might be a treatment that will work for one person and there might be a treatment that will not work for you so the whole like trying to figure out what works for you is a hard process that's why you need support that's why you need good company and you just need to go after it the way that you're gonna go after your studies to get an a the way that you're gonna go go to all of the surgical or the ortho doctors to fix their leg you need to do that with your mental health reach out to everyone figure it out see what works for you and then when you find what works for you inshallah with due time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will heal you but um it is important that a you realize what mental health is and you realize it is different for everyone and that it is okay it is not a taboo thing at all it is very normal there are so many people that have experienced it in the past. They just didn't know how to define it and figure things out that works best for you. Um, I just want to say, subhanAllah, like this is such an insightful conversation. And I feel like 
personally, mental health isn't one of those conversations that like comes up a lot, like with my friends. So just taking an hour out of the day to talk about this and to understand that feelings are okay was just like so insightful. And I feel like I feel so refreshed after this. Yeah, honestly, guys, this podcast was so, so beautiful. I literally can't wait until it's out for everyone to listen to. And I know you guys are probably listening to it right now. But just know that I've been waiting a long time to release this podcast. You know, I I genuinely had so much fun recording this. And I think I can speak for like everyone here today that this conversation, like Fatima said, was so inspirational and eye opening. I think it was definitely needed and I think it's one of the most important podcasts that we have probably recorded so far you know may Allah guide everyone and help everyone through any struggles that they are facing I mean I mean and I just want to quickly say that if any like um, sisters are listening to this and you guys just want someone to reach out to um, I'll speak for myself on this I am always available like at any time like please feel free to reach out to me and I'll try my best to like help and listen to you and guys 100%. Yeah, and all of, also, guys, I just wanted to say for having these podcasts. This is so new in the MSA. Inshallah, I hope it continues. And may Allah reward you for doing this. Mashallah, mashallah. And even myself, guys, you guys can message me if you guys are in need of any help. I am more than happy to help, honestly. I would love to use whatever knowledge that Allah has given me, put it to use, make it purposeful. And um, may Allah reward you guys. It was so much fun. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, I just wanted to say that at the end of the day, you just have to remember that it's a test from Allah. And this life, you're not meant to be eternally happy. That's for the hereafter. So inshallah, that's what we're going to strive for. Inshallah, we are all going to strive to be better Muslims, to better ourselves and everyone around us, so that we all reach our end goal together as an Ummah. Ameen. 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 All right, so I think we'll end it off right here. Jazakallah for everyone who came out and listened to this very, very, very interesting podcast and definitely one of the ones closer to my heart. I'll catch you guys in the next episode, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Have a good day. Assalamu alaikum.